0: Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the young adult ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at seven PM. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message, and we look forward to seeing you soon. What's up, Fusion? Good to see you guys. How you feeling, man? I'm 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 feeling pretty well, actually. I'm feeling pretty good. I appreciate you asking. Um, Man, today is an exciting day. I am first and foremost just excited to be here with you guys. I love being here with you guys, man. And I'm excited for everybody watching online. Welcome. Man, I'm, I'm just grateful that we get the opportunity to gather together as a family to worship God. Man, just now was just a just a special, just a a sweet time of worship with God, man. I always, it's one thing when you worship on your own, it's one thing praying at home, but there's something special about when we gather together. And that's why I think it was God's idea for us to do this stuff together. Uh, And we've been in a series talking about authentic relationships with God. Tonight, I'm excited about our topic, but before we get started, uh, I want to make an announcement. Uh, We have a special announcement to make tonight about our particular staff and our team. Uh, As you guys know, if you've been here for a while, over the last year, we've had a lot of transitions and changes. And really over the last year, like almost our entire staff here at Fusion, particularly in our young adult ministry, has changed. And... Now we have a new addition to the team that we want to welcome. So first, if my wife, Gabrielle would come up here to help me, could you guys welcome my wife, our co-pastor for fusion. She's taking her mask off. It's not coming off. (laughs) Got caught on the earring. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. It's fine. As she gets that worked out, I want her to make the announcement with me, but that's okay, these masks, right? So, there we go. Welcome, baby. We wanted to welcome our new fusion coordinator, Miss Lana Kennedy, to the stage. Would you guys make some noise and celebrate Lana? We are so excited about Lana. Lana has been a small group leader with us for a while. Uh, She's been a part of our church for years and she is the perfect person for this role. And we are just so excited to have her. And we are excited about how God is going to use her in this time, how God is going to use fusion in her life. I always view this man, especially since we're in a young adult gathering. Have you guys realized we can't be young adults forever? So this is like a particular season in our life. And so each and every one of you guys is here for a reason in this season of life. And so I'm excited about not only what each and every one of us contributes individually, but also what this gathering contributes to us. And so we just want to say, we're grateful to have you here. We bless you. And if you guys, yes, please celebrate. And if you guys will take a moment and stretch your hands, we want to pray a blessing over her. as She steps into this role. Father, we thank you so much for Lana, Lord. We thank you for bringing her to our family, Lord. We thank you for the people she's impacted through her service to you as a small group leader, Lord, and we're thankful for everything you want to do through her and for her in this season. We speak your blessing over her life. Father, bless the work of her hands. Lord, we speak peace to her home and her household, Lord. We speak a blessing over her finances and just covering over her and protection for her. Lord, we thank you that the best is yet to come for her life, Lord, and we thank you that she is a part of our family. She is our sister. So as her brothers and and her sisters. We bless her and we thank you for her. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You guys give it up one more time. All right. So as I was saying, uh, we're in this series where we're talking about having authentic relationships. And we, we've started, uh, the first two messages in this series have been about having an authentic relationship with God. And that is so important. Not just ascribing to a religion, not just you know believing in a particular philosophy uh, or a way of living life, or you know agreeing at a certain moral level with you know the moral code of Christianity, but having an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ is God's desire for each and every one of us, as his children, as his creation. And it's really the foundation for everything in life. In fact, Jesus says when he's asked, what are the, what's the greatest commandment of all the commandments in scripture? They, they challenge Jesus with this question. And Jesus, of course, is a master at answering every question. And so he responds uh, with pretty much a summary of all of the commandments in these two statements. He said, the greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength. And then the second is like it, meaning it's, it's equal to it. He says, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so what he says is it's, it's really, 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 really important to love God And to find an authentic relationship with him and to love him with everything that you have. And it's just as important to love the people around you in the same way that you love yourself. It's just as important. So think about this for a moment. Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing we need to know in our entire lives? That's what what he's being asked. And it's these two things. You need to learn to love God with everything that you have. And then it doesn't stop there. How many of us have seen some people's relationship with God stop there? How many of us have seen our own relationship with God stop there with just love for God? I love God and I don't like people. How many of us have have struggled in relationships? Right? It's, It's normal. But that's why he commands us to do it because he knows that it doesn't come natural, but this is the most important thing that we can do. And they go together, they fuel each other. And that's why we started talking about an authentic relationship with God. And if you didn't hear those teachings, I would highly suggest going back and listening to those teachings because they're foundational for your life, for your life. It's the most important thing that you could learn is having a relationship with God. And now what I'm excited about is talking about the second part of that, which is our relationships with each other. And so tonight we're talking about authentic relationships with people in church. Right? Interesting, right? Authentic relationships because now we've all experienced, For the most part, even if you're new here, it's your first time. We've all experienced at least interactions with people in church. But I want to talk about having authentic relationships with people in church. Has anybody found, maybe you just slip a little hand up. Has anybody found that it can be difficult to have authentic, real, genuine relationships in church? Has anybody struggled with it? <laughs> everybody agrees. And sometimes men, you know, what's, what's fascinating to me is sometimes uh, just people in the world who don't know Jesus actually do this better than us. Yeah. Have y'all realized that? Yeah. But it's interesting because Jesus, before he leaves, before he goes to the cross, he prays a prayer and we, we were actually reading some of the prayer that he prayed last week. It's in John 17. And he prays specifically, he prays for his disciples and he prays for every person he would, who would believe. And he says in verse nine, John 17, verse nine, he, he clarifies, he says, I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. So he, he clarifies, before he makes these next statements, he says this is not for the world, but this is for the people who will believe in Jesus Christ and pursue a relationship with him. How many of you guys know Jesus has desires and expectations for the church that he doesn't have for the world? Jesus has desires and expectations for the church that he does not have for the world. There are certain things that he wants for us and he expects from us that he doesn't even expect from the world. And yet, sometimes the world still gets some of these concepts better than us. But there should be a difference. And especially as we're talking about authentic relationships, there should be a difference between relationships in the church and relationships in the world. That's why I didn't just say authentic relationships with people, but there's actually a specific desire that God has and a specific expectation that God has for the relationships between the people who claim to be his and who are his. And there's a certain desire, and he says it uh, a few verses down in verses 22 through 23 of John 17. He's praying and he says, the glory that you have given me I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Jesus' desire and expectation for relationships with people in the church is that we would be one. Now, I want to ask you, do you feel connected to the people around you? Everybody's like, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to say anything. Because the answer no. I don't want them to know. Well, I don't necessarily fault you for that because... This isn't common for us. It's really not common in our culture. Like our culture is one that really encourages consumerism and individuality. And so we're steeped in a culture that encourages us to focus on ourselves. And so a lot of you guys came out here just for yourself, And I'm not telling you that in a way where I'm knocking you. I did that plenty of times. Man, when I first started coming to Fusion, I was invited by somebody. I had been coming to Victory for um, a little while. I started taking some of the classes, but I was very, like, to myself. And so I would come in, look for a space that nobody is in, and go sit alone. And that was my thing because I wasn't here for anybody else. I was here for your boy. I was here for me. And I didn't see anything wrong with that. I was trying to get closer to God. I was trying to learn about him. I had come out of like living in all kinds of sin. And I'm like, all right, I'm trying to live differently. I'm trying to focus on how I can cultivate this relationship with God. And I was very much to myself and in my head and trying to figure things out. And so I was invited by somebody who happened to be sitting by me, struck up a conversation, told me that we have a young adult ministry, and I came to Fusion, and I sat by myself. And I was very comfortable with that. Like, I'm the type of person, I can go anywhere by myself and be fine. Is anybody like that? I can go to the movies by myself. I can go out to eat by myself. I can do those things and be fine. I don't do that a lot now because I'm married, but prior to that, (laughs) but prior to that, I could do a lot of things by myself and it didn't phase me. I really didn't think about it. And I'm sharing that because a lot of us are that way. We're not necessarily intentionally not trying to have deep relationships with everybody around us or we're not necessarily intentionally trying to not be a socialite. It's just not our priority. It's not our focus. And so I asked you if you feel connected to the people around you, but you may be like no and wasn't even thinking about it, wasn't even a concern. Yet, that's why the word of God is so important because he shows us the way of life. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth and I am the life, he is the way. And he is not a way that we would naturally take. Jesus is the way and not the way we would naturally take. And so authentic relationships in church, they require some things that we wouldn't naturally be looking to do. But our priority once we come into a relationship with God is pleasing him. And following in his ways, because we know that his ways lead to life and his ways are the best way. Has anybody found that trying to do things your way doesn't work out so well? Hallelujah. There we go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> trying to do things our way doesn't work out super well, but our response to following God should be seeking his will, doing his will. And it's really kind of that simple. And that's what our relationship with him should be like. And not just from a servant standpoint, we are servants, but we are also children of God. We are also friends of God. Jesus said to his disciples, I no longer call you servants. Now I call you friends because I share things with you that I wouldn't share with just a servant. I share things with you that I want to share with a friend. And yet we still have to maintain a, a certain level of reverence and an understanding that, that God is a friend and a comforter, but He's also the way. And He also is Lord of our lives. And the interesting thing is, the early church, uh, now I don't believe that any group of people is perfect, but I do believe that they got this right. We see when, when the, the very first church, how they got started is, you know, Jesus Christ, He, he dies on a cross. He resurrects from the grave. His disciples see him resurrected, and then he gives them instruction. He tells them, go out and make disciples of all nations, but don't go anywhere until you receive the promise from our Father, which is his Holy Spirit. And so they they gather and they wait together, uh, and on the day of Pentecost, after they had just been waiting in a room for a long time, the Holy Spirit shows up, and then... They start speaking in tongues. All types of stuff starts happening. People outside are trying to figure out what's going on. They're like, man, I hear them speaking in my native language. How when, Aren't these people Jewish? When did they learn to speak this foreign language? And this whole discussion is going on. And Peter gives the first church sermon in, in, in history. He gives the first church sermon on the day of Pentecost, and it's beautiful. You can read it uh, in Acts 2, but but it's summed up this way. Towards the end, it says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So it says, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls, And so these people who were not familiar with Jesus Christ, they hear this, this good news that, wow, I can be saved. Like this guy that we, we voted for him to be crucified. This was actually the son of God and he resurrected from the dead and now he's actually offering us forgiveness for our sins. What do we do? Okay. We turn, we repent, we change the way that we're thinking. We get baptized. Okay. Now what do we do? It says in uh, verse 42 and they devoted themselves, to the apostles' teaching, that, that was the disciples, to the, Jesus' followers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, being connected, doing life together, to the breaking of bread, that means eating together, and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, somebody say together, Doesn't that sound like a dope group of people to be in? Some of you heard that they were selling their stuff, and you're like, ooh, I don't don't know about that. (laughs) And I don't think that that itself was necessarily a prescription for how you have to live, but I think that it speaks to what God was doing in their hearts. Because it wasn't just that they guilty about having things. It was that if there was anybody in their group that had need and they had extra, yeah. then they helped with that need. So it says that they were selling land, they were selling possessions, stuff like that. It wasn't like, oh, now that we're saved, we got to sell everything that we have. That wasn't it. It was, oh, I have extra land. I got homes. There are people who, are, who had plenty and they're saying, oh, wow, this person has nothing or they're in need. And the goal is for us to be equal. And so, man, if I have extra, I'm going to sell this over here. I'm going to bring the money and we distribute it to those who have need. Out of a, not out of guilt, not out of shame, not of, out of condemnation, not out of this like, I got to follow the rules by getting rid of all my stuff and I, Jesus doesn't want me to have anything. It wasn't that. It was out of love. It was out of loving your neighbor as yourself. You see your neighbor in need. You're not. What would you do if that... What would you want somebody to do if that were you? And that was the heart posture. And it's interesting because the earliest response to the gospel of Jesus Christ was oneness among everyone who believed. The earliest response to the gospel of Jesus Christ was oneness among everyone who believed. And this is what Jesus had prayed for. He prayed to God that we would be one And so, man, we see this beautiful thing pan out where all these people get saved, 3,000 people. And then it says that God was adding to that number every single day. So this is a megachurch that started out of nowhere that has all things in common. Now, again, I wanna clarify that I don't necessarily think that that these people were perfect, because they weren't, nobody is perfect. So that doesn't mean there were no disagreements. That doesn't mean that there were no challenges. It just means that the overall posture, the overall takeaway from this group of people was oneness. And I heard somebody say, uh, a pastor that I highly respect, I was having a phone conversation with him and we were talking about the culture, right, of our ministries and and I was asking him about the culture of his ministry because they have, man, they just have a really servant-hearted ministry. And I was asking him how that developed and he defined culture as the overall disposition the prevailing disposition of the overall group, right? So like the, the prevailing, like what really stands out, the posture and what you take away from the overall group. And so he's saying, man, you know, and obviously he gave me some insight into how that developed, but I thought that was a great way of putting it. And, and that's what was happening in, this group of people, it was a culture. It didn't mean that everything was perfect. It didn't mean that there were no disagreements, no arguments. It doesn't mean that nobody did anything wrong. It doesn't mean that nobody ever sinned, but yet the overall takeaway from this group was a sense of oneness. And it it makes me think about us as a group of people, as a group of believers, what is the prevailing disposition of our group? What is the prevailing takeaway of our group? I think there are some great ones. And I don't know what you would say it is, but I'll tell you what I would like it to be. I want it to be what God wants it to be. And Jesus prayed that we would be one. And so that's why we're going to be diving into these things because it's it doesn't come natural, but it's necessary. We want the prevailing disposition of our group to be oneness. But what challenges us is our human nature. And so I want us, we're actually going to see kind of the development of how this worked in the church and kind of how we got to where we are today. And I want to take a moment and pray before we go any further in the message, uh, just because I know that this is not easy. It's going to take a miracle of God for us to really experience this. For us to not have surface level relationships with each other, for us to actually care about the person next to each other, to us, for us to really actually want to go out of our way and potentially inconvenience ourselves to be in authentic relationships with the people in the church is actually going to take a move of God in us to align our hearts to his. And so I want to pray. And as I encourage us every week, man, I want you to actually pray for yourself as I'm praying for God to move in your heart and enlighten you to what he's wanting to do and help you to be more like him. Cool? All right, so let's pray. Father, we thank you for the fact that we are here today. God, we thank you for this, for your word, Lord. If you had not made sure this was recorded, we would not have direction and wisdom in life that comes from you. Lord, we thank you for even showing us the way that we need to take. We thank you that you are the way, and the beautiful thing is that in relationship with you, you guide us where we need to go. So we thank you for what you're speaking to us as not just individuals, but as a group. Lord, and I, help, I ask that you help us to start viewing ourselves more that way, that we're not just individuals, we're not just individual contributors, but we are a group of people in your eyes. We are a church in your eyes. Help us to see things that way. Help us to live in the way that you desire for your church to be. Lord, help us to walk out what Jesus prayed for. Before he gives the greatest sacrifice of his own life, he asks for this in return. That for our salvation, for eternal life, for peace and wholeness and fulfillment and oneness with God, that that with all those things that were given, Lord, the response that he desired was a love for you and a love for each other. Help us to walk that out, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I want us to dive into a, a few pages over where we see, okay, it started out really, really well. We agree, man, that was really strong. We would really like to be that way. But unfortunately, things didn't stay that way. If you read the rest of the New Testament, has anybody read after Acts After Acts, you have Romans, and you have a bunch of, these are just letters to churches. And what are they doing? They're encouraging, but they're also correcting behavior. Because when people get together, there's messes. There are messes. Relationship is messy. A group of people together is messy. It's beautiful when we come together as one, but it can be messy. And so we see in James uh, chapter 2, you know, it goes from this beautiful man. They were one with each other and they were sharing everything to my brothers. Show no partiality all this oneness and sharing with each other. And oh, you're in need. Let me give of what I have for you to be equal with me. And it actually goes to, oh, you don't have, all right, sit over there. We don't respect that. Now we're more like the culture again, where we, re- where we value what our culture values, which is things. Even though Jesus says that life doesn't consist in the abundance of things and, and having a lot of things but we've gotten a little bit off. And so in the next chapter, he says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. So what's he saying? He's saying this because in the church there's envy and there's selfish ambition. And he's showing us that when these things are present in our lives, when they're present in our gatherings, when they're present in our interactions, there will be disorder, And there will be every evil practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. He's trying to remind them of what things are supposed to be like. And then in James 4.1, he says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? And so it goes from this group of people who are, who are doing really well and connected to each other to now he's like, man, why are you guys fighting? What's causing these things between you? This grieves our God who desires for us to be one. And he's trying to give us wisdom and insight into how we can do this better. And I would say that we're dealing with a lot of these things. Has anybody seen any of these things in the relationships in their lives? Have you ever seen jealousy creep up? Have you ever seen selfishness creep up? Right? Oh, y'all were like, yup. (laughs) Have you ever seen people being biased? Have you ever found that you can be biased to your preferences? Have you ever found that we can be prideful? These things are not appropriate in our gatherings. These things are not appropriate in our relationships. These things are not appropriate in our small groups. These things are not appropriate in our conversations. Yeah, they may be common. They may be natural, but they're not appropriate. And so at some point, we have to get from doing things this way, which God says is not appropriate, to doing things his way. And let me tell you, Having healthy relationships is one of the most fulfilling things you will ever experience in life. Yeah. I've found that now let me tell you, this is something that God has been taking me through personally, because as I mentioned, I started as just coming in to myself. When I was invited to a small group, I'm like, no, nah. I didn't want to go because I had all these ideas of like, uh, what if I don't like the people? What if it's awkward? Then when they invite me back and I don't want to come back, that could be weird. So I'm just not going to go in the first place. And that was my thought process. And looking back, it's like, bro, it is not that serious. If you don't want to go back, just don't go. It's okay. Or you can get over yourself and. Actually, even if you don't have the best experience or if you don't feel like you have everything in common with everybody, that doesn't mean you can't be around these people. You can get over yourself. (laughs) And not be selfish and self-centered. I was still super self-centered. And I won't say that that's all the way gone from my life. I feel like (laughs) I feel like. God has been taking me on this journey of showing me what his desire is for our people, for our church, and also for my personal life. and so uh, having you know deeper personal relationships, extending myself a little bit more uh, has been something that I feel like he's been walking me through, especially over the last year uh, and something that Gabrielle and I talk about a lot, pray about a lot. you know she talks to me about a lot like you need to be more connected with some people, you know? And it's just, for me, I've been having to work through, okay, what's, what's going on in my mind? Cause I like people, and it's not that I'm not connected with anybody or I don't have any friends, but it's just that I've seen room for growth in my life in terms of having deeper friendships, specifically with people in church. And so I am just sharing with you guys what God has been sharing with me, that yeah, you may be used to doing things a particular way, you may have uh, certain personality traits, you may have certain desires, certain types of people that you wanna be around or connect with, but what if I say those things are not good? What if I'm telling you that your greatest fulfillment is outside of your comfort zone. So I ask you, what if God is saying that your greatest fulfillment is actually outside of your comfort zone, that, these, that the walls that we have up and the, 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 the resistance that we have to connecting with people is actually not benefiting us? And we may be resistant and have certain walls because we've had poor or negative experiences with people, but God is not saying that's an excuse to no longer be connected with people. And I think, man, what if we take all the ways that we've been jaded, all the ways that we've been hurt, man, all the ways, all the reasons in our mind that we are not connected with people in church. And what if we put them to the side for a moment and reconsider and allow Jesus to actually be Lord in our lives and tell us some things that we may not want to hear, that we may not want to do, but we give him the opportunity to speak to his own creation and tell us to live in the way that he says is best. And so with that being said, I have a few things that I want to touch on tonight for the solution to, to this issue. Um, I asked you if you felt genuinely connected to the people around you. And I, and I would also ask you, man, do you feel genuinely cared for by the people around you? And I want you to think about that for a moment. Do you feel genuinely cared for by the people around you? Do you feel genuinely cared for by people in the church? And now I want point one which is authentic relationships in the church actually start with you. Y'all like, that's not right. You set me up. You asked me if I felt genuinely cared for. You know that I might've said no. And now you're telling me it's my fault. No, I'm not trying to say it's that it's your fault, but I will say that the journey to better relationships starts with you. And so I'm not telling you that every, every negative experience that you've had, every relationship that's gone wrong is your fault. And no, I'm not saying that. But I am saying that the step to having healthy relationships and good, authentic relationships starts with you. Because your, your negative experiences may have made you make a decision to stop connecting with people at a certain level. And only you can have you start again. Does that make sense? Authentic relationships start with you and your relationships will not change until the focus in your mind shifts from what they are doing to what I am doing. Because we could talk all day about everybody in the church. We could talk all day about what people in the church do. You know, they do this and they're that and they're fake and they're hypocrites and they don't really care and nobody called me and nobody checked on me and I tried to do this and nobody got back to me. And Vance, actually, I'm mad at you. (laughs) You might be. But the reality is it doesn't start with they. The road to healthy relationships in your life starts with you. And until we receive that and accept it, we're never going to see any progress. Jesus said to his disciples in John 13, 34, he says, a new commandment I give to, I want you to guys say this next word, you, (laughs) y'all, y'all, you, a new commandment I give to you. Not your brother, not your sister, not they. This is not a commandment I'm giving to them. This is not a commandment I'm giving to the church. This is not a commandment I'm giving to everybody else. But a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. Just as I have loved you, love... One another, you also are to love one another. You, 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 a commandment I'm giving to you that you love. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love. Jesus is talking to you and he's talking to me. He's giving us the commandment. But the beautiful thing is, there's freedom in that, in the fact that this is actually more in your hands than maybe you've realized. That better relationships are much more in your hands than maybe you've realized. Jesus is saying, you love. Just as I have loved you, you love. Some of us need that to sink in. You love one another. Now, what if each of us was following that command? Then we wouldn't have to worry about receiving love because each of us would be following that. But we cannot control what everyone around us is doing. We can only control what we are doing. You can't control other people's decisions and base your life on other people's decisions. And so you can't base whether you're going to love, waiting on everybody else to love. Jesus says a commandment I give to you. You love. And Jesus is the way, so he always has the best suggestions and recommendations. His commandments are not to harm us, they're not to make our lives worse. He says that I came to give you life and life to the full. You'll find a full life when you learn to love. You love. Authentic relationships, healthy ones, they start with you. He said in Matthew seven and verse three, he says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? So you are you're looking at everybody's little imperfections and faults and you've got this huge issue that God sees and everybody else can see. But you can't see because you're only looking at what everybody else is doing wrong. And maybe our relationships would be better. If we were the type of people who were not always fault finding in other people, but we actually saw the best in people and we saw the issues within ourselves and we continue to allow that to bring us to God. Where, man, I'm going to focus on the best in people and I'm not going to focus on trying to fix them and tell everybody else what they need to do differently. I'm actually going to look at what I got going on. And so even as I'm talking about myself, I can clearly see, all right, this person who's coming in and only sitting by themselves, only interested in themselves, if they don't have deep relationships in the church, whose fault is that? Theirs. So it was my issue. Why I wasn't connected. But you, there's hope for you. Because it starts with you. A new journey can start today when you say, I'm going to focus on loving. I'm going to focus on getting my stuff together. I'm going to focus on being in proximity to Jesus because he says, just as he has loved me, I am to love others. And so if I'm not in proximity to him, if I don't get this authentic relationship with God, right, I'll never be able to love other people. And so I got a lot to concern myself with that has nothing to do with anybody else. So if you focus on your relationship with God, learning his love, becoming acquainted with who he is, his characteristics, his love, and then you seek to exemplify that and distribute that to other people, you got a lot to do in life. (laughs) You don't have much time to focus on what everybody's doing wrong. Think about Jesus Christ saying this, the perfect person the only person living a perfect life. And yet he says, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. If anybody can see all the flaws going on in everybody else's life, it's Jesus. And what does he concern himself with? Loving people, so much so that he can tell them, hey, now you go do what I just did for the past few years. I've perfectly exemplified loving you. It starts with you. Because God is going to hold us accountable for our actions, not everybody else's. You will stand before God and give him an account for what you did with your life. And you can't bring anybody else up in the conversation. (laughs) In fact, this, this idea of having a seeing the speck in other people's eyes and, and, the, and not seeing the plank in our own in context, the verse before it, he actually says, do not judge or you too will be judged for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Whoo! So if <laughs> think about it, man, the level at which you criticize people, If God is saying, yeah, 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 all this stuff you're doing, fantastic. But this level at which you criticize people, I'm actually going to criticize you at that level when you stand in front of me. That's That's something for us to consider. And it may make you say, you know what? (laughs) I don't want to judge people too hard. (laughs) I'm actually chill out a little bit. (laughs) I got grace for people now because I want grace. I want patience. I want the Lord to forgive me. God, forgive me for my sins as I forgive those who have sinned against me. He always connects the two. And so maybe the path to healthy relationships starts with you and not criticizing people, not focusing on what everybody else is doing wrong. But focusing on what you have going on, continually bringing that to God, allowing him to work on you, transform you and make you like him. And then as you become acquainted with his grace and his kindness and his love in that process, you go give that to other people. But some of us are skipping that part where we're not going to him and we're not becoming acquainted with his love because there's nothing like coming to God with your mess that will show you his love. You'll see his love when you come to him with your mess. You'll see his grace and his kindness, how much he loves you when you come to him with your mess. And so there's beauty in that. God wants us to experience his grace. And then as we focus on that, it's easier to love other people. If you think about all the ways that God is forgiving you, it's easier to forgive other people, especially when he says, that he's going to judge you in the way that you judge other people. And if you don't forgive others, you won't be forgiven. We sometimes forget those things. Like how God engages with us and views us has a lot to do with how we engage with other people. So be loving. Be kind. Be forgiving. Don't be quick to criticize and judge people. And I guarantee you will see an improvement in the relationships in your life. Because who wouldn't want to be around that person? So maybe it starts with you. He also says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. I was actually curious and I looked up an article about, I'm like, what does the rest of the world have to say about being likable and having good relationships? And man, I saw this article uh, on you know, Inc.com, which is, you know, a a big magazine. And they had this, you know, 28 habits of likable people. And then at the end, they were like, you know what really sums this up though? Just treat other people in the way that you wanna be treated. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, Jesus said that a few thousand years ago. (laughs) And he was quoting Deuteronomy where God said that a few thousand years before that. And so this has been the key for a long time, just treat other people how you want to be treated. It starts with you. Second thing is authentic relationships in the church require availability. And I, I mean this uh, to say you have to be available. How are you going to build relationships if you're not available? And so we have to take inventory on our lives take inventory on our schedule, take inventory on our priorities, because if we're actually going to be one, if we're actually going to love one another, if we're actually going to be the type of family that God wants us to be, it's going to require us being available. Jesus said to his disciples, love one another as I have loved you. Jesus had to be available to display that. If you look throughout scripture, Jesus is with his disciples all the time, correcting them, teaching them, loving them, eating meals with them, being transparent and vulnerable with them. He's available. How available are you? Because it's difficult in this society But a lot of us are more available than we give ourselves credit for because you're available for a lot of things if you think about it. You're available to be entertained. But are you available (laughs) to do what's most important in life? You're available to be up to date on your favorite series, you're available to play this video game. You're available. <laughs> You're available to know every stat for your favorite athletes, to know the, the entire history and every stat of your favorite sports team. You're available to know the, who's dating who in the world of people you don't know. You're available. <laughs> You're available for a lot of things. You're available to be up to date on what a lot of the world has going on. But are you available for the priorities of Jesus? These are the things that bring you life. The priorities of Jesus are to bring you life. They're about having a more fulfilling life. Do you... Has anybody noticed after you, like, binge watch a show, you feel drained? You just feel like, ugh, I don't want to do anything with my life. Do you feel like that's the most fulfilling thing to do in life? It's not. But most of our society is like, people will make you feel weird if you're not binge watching stuff right? Like, Oh, have you seen this? Oh, you have to see this. Yes. You have to see all 23 episodes that are all an hour long and they are all fictional, but you have to see it. And yet we'll find time for these things. And sometimes it's because that's the only way we found to relax. Sometimes that's the only way that we found to recharge. Right. But Jesus is saying that there's actually a better way. Actually, when you start applying these things that I'm teaching you, you'll find yourself more refreshed and recharged in life because man, watching people you don't know, uh, perform made up stuff on a screen for hours and hours and hours is actually not life to the full. And it's actually not what you need to recharge your soul, but sometimes you need connection with people. Sometimes you need somebody who you can call. and and maybe, maybe not text them, but like call and like, and maybe, and maybe, maybe even meet up with them in person and share a meal together. Some people do that. Like, you know, like, you know that sometimes food doesn't have to be delivered to you. You can, you can go get it with another person and talk, (laughs) but a lot of us, man, a lot of us can become so isolated and, and the world is actually trying to make isolation really convenient and really appealing. So it's like, you know what? Isolate yourself, sit by yourself. We have all this entertainment for you. We have food to be delivered right to your door and we have everybody on social media telling you. That's the best thing to do. And yet Jesus is calling out to us, saying there's a better way. But you have to make yourself available. It's gonna cost something. It's gonna cost the things that don't actually benefit you. Showing up on a Tuesday night, showing up to a small group, and not just showing up and just sitting there and being too cool to talk. And not just showing up and being the person to talk over everybody else, because that's not being available either. Being available is about being present, understanding, man, that there's a, there's a human being sitting in front of me that has value. And man, I would like to hear who they are, who God's created them to be, what they're, what they have to say, what God's doing in their lives. And this is what brings us life, man. That's what's going to make a really good, small group of people, right? Is a group of people coming together saying, you know, what? I'm not just going to come in here and, you know, hope that everybody cares about me. And if they don't, then I'm just going to sit off to the side. But man, a group of people who are going to come together and say, no, I'm going, it's going to start with me and I'm going to be available. I'm going to be available. I'm going to make time. I'm going to give some energy. I'm going to be available to talk to people. I'm going to be available to pray with people. I'm going to be available to listen to people. I'm going to be available to share my story and share my heart. I'm going to be available to know people. And yes, availability requires sacrifice, but it requires us to sacrifice the things that aren't most important in life. And last, authentic relationships in the church require a commitment to love. Uh, It's all about love. Jesus says, love one another, love one another. And this doesn't mean just having a deep feeling of affection for everybody, but there's actually a way that we behave out of love. And man, maybe the, the, the lack of relationship that you and I sometimes feel is because of our lack of taking initiative to love people. And let me clarify, not everybody's gonna receive it. Not everything is always gonna go perfect, but that's not what Jesus is saying when he says to do that. Because yeah, you may, you may extend yourself to one person and experience a sense of rejection if they don't receive what you're wanting to do. Maybe you wanna be their friend and they don't wanna be your friend, but the next person might. The next three people might want to be your friend. The next three people might be uh, the, the group that God is calling you to, but you've allowed this one person to deter you from the life that God really desires for you. And so we have to make a commitment to love, not just based on our feelings, not just based on whether we feel like everybody deserves it. But there's life found when we make a commitment to love. So what is love? Well, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 describes it this way. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And if you become that kind of person, that will be the start of authentic and healthy relationships in your life. And so I want us to meditate on this for a second, uh, on, on what love is. Love is patient, kind, rejoicing with the truth. It's protective, trusting, hopeful, and enduring. That's love. And love is not, love is not envious. Love is not boastful. Love is not proud or arrogant. Love is not dishonoring. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. Love is not keeping a record of wrongs. And love is not delighting in evil. I want you to think about that for a moment. Where are you with these characteristics? Where are you seeing these displayed in your life? Undoubtedly, all of us are going to see some on both sides in our lives. Some of us are going to (laughs) see more of what love is not being displayed in our lives than what love is. But that's real. That's where you're at right now. Yeah. Yeah. But I would tell you that the, the fulfillment that you're looking for, the joy that you're looking for is actually found on the other side. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. And it's not just about receiving it. God has that for you. Yeah. That's why we love him first. And we establish an authentic relationship with him first. He has that for us and he can fill us with that. And then we go display what love is to others. And that's gonna be the start of healthy relationships in our lives. And so I want us to look back at at Acts 2.42 as we close and think about this as it it pertains to, because I want this to apply to your individual life. Of course, this is gonna be wisdom for all of your relationships in life but specifically in this context, authentic relationships with people in the church. I want us to look at this and and, and examine how we might be able to contribute as an individual to seeing this take place in our lives. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul God is saying, man, notice when Jesus prayed, he said, I'm not praying for the world, but I'm praying for those you've given me. They are yours. Then he says, I'm praying that they would be one so that the world would believe that the father sent him. So he actually did pray for the world through praying for the church. He's saying that I'm not gonna pray that the world becomes one. People who don't know me would become one and have great, healthy, authentic relationships because that's not gonna work. But when people believe in me, their savior, when when they're forgiven of their sins and when, when when relationship with God is restored and they become acquainted with the love of God and then a group of people are showing that kind of love to each other, that's actually going to be a phenomenon for the world to see and it's gonna draw people. And so, man, what if God could use you and you and you and you? God could use us, but it starts with you. But then we come together, displaying these things to one another and God could use us to show his glory and show his love to the world around us. Man, what would that look like? I think that would be the kingdom coming. When Jesus says, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I think that's what the result would be. We'd see God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven, relationships on earth as they are in heaven, with love, no ulterior motives. And so I wanna pray for us in this area because I know that this is something that we all need work in. And I believe that God wants to do something in our lives tonight. Ah, So let's pray. Father, I, I thank you for giving us this word, giving us this message, Lord, of love and oneness for each other. And Lord, I thank you for outlining for us what love really is as you've called us to love one another. Lord, would you help each and every one of us to draw closer to you? Some of us, we've been distracted. We've had barriers up. Lord, we have felt distant from you. And that's why it's hard for us to connect with other people because we don't feel connected to you. But Lord, you say when we seek you with all of our heart, we will find you. You will be found. And so I first and foremost pray for our relationships with you. Lord, would you help us all to have an authentic relationship with you? Lord, maybe we haven't been doing super well uh, in that over the past few weeks, even as we've been talking about it. Maybe we've, we've heard wisdom and we've heard direction, but it's been hard for us to actually apply. Lord, would you help us to walk this out moving forward? Help us to make space for you in our lives, Lord. Help us to not desire the things of this world over you. Lord, and expose us to the treasure that you really are and all that you have for us. Lord, help us to make space for you and come to you with everything that we have to receive who you are in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray for for our relationships after that. Lord, for, for after us being close to you, Lord, I pray for our relationships with each other. Lord, would you help us to have Love for one another. Love-filled relationships with one another, God. Lord, would you help us to operate on earth as you do in heaven? And Lord, as your people who are called to dwell with you in eternity and to dwell in heaven, Lord, we know that we're going to have relationships there. Lord, would you help us to start that now? For each and every person who's felt isolated, Lord, I pray that you would draw them first into deeper connection to you and then into community with people around them, Lord. Lord, we bind every spirit of rejection in the name of Jesus. We bind every spirit of depression in the name of Jesus. Lord, we just we ask that you cast that out of our lives. Lord, and that you would help us to be drawn to the people around us, Lord, and that you would pull those who are isolated out of isolation and into community and into togetherness and into family, Lord. Have your way in our lives. Have your way in our hearts. Have your way in our church in Jesus' name. And last, I want to pray for each and every person in here who they haven't just been a little bit distant from you, Lord, but they, they don't know you at all. And they want all this. They want a relationship with you. They want deeper relationships with the people around them, but they haven't known how to pursue it. And so if you're in here and you're wanting a relationship with Christ, or maybe you're watching online and you're wanting a relationship with Christ, i want to lead you in a prayer. And I want everyone in here who is a believer to be praying for those who are making this decision because this is so important. If you are wanting to follow Jesus, I want you to repeat this prayer after me and, and we're, we're all gonna pray for you in the, in the meantime. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you love me and that you die for my sins. I believe that you resurrected from the dead and show your power over death and over sin. I believe you have the power to forgive me and I receive your forgiveness. I repent of my old ways. I turn from my old life and I turn completely to you. I'm making you the leader of my life and I'm willing to receive everything that comes along with that. I'm going to devote myself to you today and to your people and have a loving relationship with you for the rest of my life. In Jesus name. Amen. Can we take a moment to celebrate everyone who prayed that prayer? Man. Well, uh, as we've been talking about having authentic relationships with people before you go, Make sure you talk to somebody, say something to somebody. Remember this starts with you. We have to be available and we have to be committed to love and you can actually start displaying that right now. So I love you guys. We will see you next week. Be blessed. Hey, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit FusionATL.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.